Greetings and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. Joining us on this episode are Mark Whiting, the program manager for the Military Medics and Corpsmen Program, MMAC, at the Virginia Department of Veteran Services, and Julie Selvey, the director of nursing and education for Bon Secours Virginia Medical Group. Today, we're going to chat about the innovative MMAC program that helps military veterans with medical or health care training transition into private sector clinical jobs in places like hospitals. But first, let's welcome Mark and Julie to the program. Thanks for being with us today, folks. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here, Julian. Thank you. And we're glad to have you both as well. As I mentioned, the MMAC program, that's Military Medics and Corpsmen program, is a first-of-its-kind initiative that was established as a pilot program here in the Commonwealth in 2016 as a result of legislation sponsored by Delegate Chris Stolle, who is a Virginia Beach physician and, shameless plug alert, a previous guest on an episode of the Patients Come First podcast, and Senator George Barker of Fairfax, who is also a strong advocate for health care in the Virginia General Assembly. And then last year, in 2018, the program was permanently established in state law with updated supervisory standards. Mark, if you would, please explain how the MMAC program functions to recruit and help place military veterans in civilian healthcare professional work settings by bridging a gap that had been an impediment to employment for some veterans leaving military service. Well, yeah, thanks again, Jim. Glad to, glad to be on your show. What uh, the MMAC program really is is a pathway. Uh, we offer a pathways to uh, careers. We offer pathways to credentialing, and we also offer pathways to continued caring. Uh, you know, as you know, healthcare in, in many cases is a calling, and to have uh, military personnel who have chosen healthcare as part of their military career continue in that area. Is uh, is special to us. Uh, it's it's um, we often hear of uh, from applicants to our program saying, you know, if this had only been around when I was getting out, um, I would have uh, stayed in healthcare instead of going into a, another field because they had that that caring aspect. So uh, essentially, it's a pathway, and and we we do three things at our program. Uh, we recruit. Uh, military trained personnel, uh, especially the veteran, the um, medics, uh, army medics, combat medics, the Navy corpsmen, and the Air Force medical technicians. So we recruit them from a worldwide pool of uh, veterans and uh, transitioning service members, members who have decided they are going to be leaving the, the military and entering the civilian world. So we recruit through a, a variety of ways. I can talk about a little bit later if you'd like. And then once they've applied to our program, we review that candidate. And we, we look at their background, uh, a very detailed uh, snapshot of their clinical uh, experience. Um, and we classify them in, in basically three pathways. We have our military medics and corpsmen program qualified pathway, these are uh, specifically the individuals that fall under our uh, Code of Virginia uh, purview to allow those individuals to continue to practice the clinical skills, the hands-on clinical skills that they learned and, and administered in the military in the private sector, in the civilian healthcare field, while they're um, gaining the required credentials. And that's what 
that's what really sets us apart from a lot of the other uh, military-related employment programs. We're the only state in the country currently that allows these individuals to continue to practice those skills. And it helps them keep their skills sharp. Uh, it, it, we've, we've kind of flipped that credentials first, employment second model on its head. And so it allows them to keep their skills sharp. It helps them get into employment and support their families, themselves. Uh, and they're really adding um, to that healthcare care uh, industry the value that a veteran brings, above and beyond those clinical skills. They bring uh, punctuality, teamwork, leadership, uh, attention to detail, all those things, uh, those soft skills, if you will, that are really important in any workplace and especially important in healthcare. So we, we have our MEC qualified candidates. Then we have what we call no veteran left behind. That's the uh, medically trained uh, servant, former service member who maybe have experience in a, uh, in a physical therapy role or a lab technician uh, or even the, you know, the many other skills that could be applied to the civilian healthcare workforce. Those, and the non-clinical skills. We, we tell people often that hospitals are like military installations. They, they need engineering personnel. They need HR personnel, IT, uh, safety, uh, you know, all those type of things that, uh, and, and they're needed in the healthcare field. So we have that pathway. And then we have our third pathway, which is our leadership pathway. These are individuals that may have run uh, programs or uh, clinical practices or clinics in the military and may have advanced degrees and experience and could be applied uh, in the in the civilian setting uh, in a leadership role or um, you know management track type uh, position so we offer those three and and we refer those to employers like our our, our great champions and and uh, colleagues over at uh, Bonsacore Mercy Health well, that's a great explanation, Mark, and I appreciate you sharing that overview of the program. You mentioned Bon Secours is a participant in the program. There are a number of hospitals and health systems in the Commonwealth that have participated. Bon Secours, as we mentioned, Carillion in Roanoke, uh, Centra Health, which is in Lynchburg area, Chesapeake Regional Healthcare in Hampton Roads, HCA Virginia, which has hospitals throughout the Commonwealth, Anova Health System in Northern Virginia, Navant Health, UVA Health System, Riverside Health System, which is down on the peninsula in Hampton Roads area, and Centera Healthcare also in Hampton Roads and, and elsewhere. Uh, and so I appreciate you you mentioning the role that hospitals play here. And to get that that sort of firsthand perspective, Julie, I wonder if you could sort of speak about, Mark has explained how the program works sort of from a functional perspective to help these military veterans transition. I wonder if you could explain some more about sort of the practical side of it as someone who has been on the other end sort of as a participant in bringing some of these folks into a healthcare organization like Bon Secours? Yes, absolutely. I would say, first of all, it takes a really good partnership with DVS and the health system to establish what the goals and the objectives are for the healthcare system in which uh, the director of human resources, who was the director back in 2016, Paul Janad and myself um, and uh, another educator, created what we wanted for Bon Secours Medical Group and how would the MEC candidates fit into the roles for our health system. 
And I think that's very important in just making sure that we all know what the needs are from DVS's standpoint and identifying the appropriate candidates and identifying the appropriate um, clinical candidates to fill in the areas that we were looking for. Um, and with that being said, was that the medical group, which is nothing but um, clinical practices, provider practices, would be the best place for our uh, MMACs to work as their kind of entry-level position with this program being a pilot program. And what we did is we took the memo of agreement and created our scope of practice for Bon Secours, created a job description that would uh, meet the needs for what they were going to do in the clinics and also optimize their clinical skills that they have experienced over the years in their service. Once that was established and code positions and job descriptions were created, uh, we worked closely with DVS in the process for hiring and onboarding the um, MMACs. And, you know, I've been the director for this program for almost two years, and Bonds Corps has been the leading health system in bringing in the MMACs in which we've hired them as clinical care technicians. And for comparison, for those who don't understand what MMACs have done in the uh, service, we've been utilizing them in the capacity of an LPN in which their scope of practice is fairly identical to what an LPN can do uh, in the state of Virginia. And could you could you just give some examples of some of the things that a clinical technician or the roles or duties comparable to an LPN would be? Yes, absolutely. Uh, CCT can accept orders and receive orders from a provider and document in the EMR, just like a nurse could. And they can also administer injections and medications per order by a provider. They work under the scope of practice of a provider, but it is not where it has to be a direct line of supervision. It's more of like that on-site supervision, and it really um, expands their scope of practice because they can do all the clinical skills that an LPN performs from blood work to educating patients to small office procedures. Well, thank you for that explanation. That's great information. Mark, I want to transition yeah. back to you. Um, Julie mentioned that Bon Secours has been, I believe, the leader uh, in bringing on MMAC uh, program participants uh, among hospitals and health systems in Virginia. And I guess overall, about 115 veterans have been hired to this program. Uh, if you could, can you discuss a little bit more about uh, sort of the the role that Bon Secours has played in terms of uh, taking on a lot of these folks and then just overall what the success of the program has been? Well, gladly, Julian. And I'm happy to say since we last talked, uh, when we were, we we're up to 123 hires. Uh, in healthcare so far. That's great uh, news. Since we, since we spoke. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, I honestly can't say enough good about Bon Secours. They were a, a partner of ours and has been a champion of ours even before the program was officially launched because they actually brought uh, some of their public affairs and government relations people 
to the table as the as the legislation, the enabling regis- legislation was working its way through our our General Assembly. So they from you know essentially day one, they've been a, a partner and a champion. Uh, and they hired they did our first uh, female hire early in the program, uh, hired into the program. They have so far to date the most hires of all of our partners uh, through our through our program. So they've been there. And and another thing that that I've just I, I've just found so tremendous about our relationship is when other systems are trying to understand the the program from that direct healthcare provider's perspective, or if they had questions, Julie, her team, Paul Janad have been just outstanding to work with because you know as you know the healthcare industry is highly competitive so in a sense they were helping others that that could be uh, um, competitors in the, in the healthcare space to launch this program because the ultimate value is that veteran gets hired in healthcare uh, and uh, and are now supporting themselves and their family so i think that in this highly competitive day and age and market uh, that is that is just that to me speaks volume of the the dedication and focus that, that they have uh, to serve veterans and and we can't thank them thank them enough and uh, Julie and Paul have been on speed dial for my entire team uh, just to run ideas by and and we have such a phenomenal line of communication that that it works they they have taken this program to where every person involved with it in the development and the operations, they're ta- they've taken this program to, way, to the heights that, and the where we wanted it to go. So, uh, again, um, you know, I just can't thank them enough. They're, they've been just phenomenal. And I wanted to touch a minute, and, and, and your, your very good question to Julie about kind of the scope of practice of our, of our applicants. We have a defined, uh, what we call our general scope of practice. These are 39 very specific skills and procedures that have been authorized through our legislation for our candidates to administer or deliver in that healthcare setting. Uh, they they apply when we have that signed uh, a a signed memo of agreement. And what we do, uh, we, we we take the approach with our healthcare partners of you tell us what skills you are comfortable with uh, in your healthcare system through that scope of practice by identifying, hey, we're comfortable with all of them, or, uh, it, for example, endotracheal intubation is, is one of the skills that's permitted by law. But if they're not comfortable with our individuals and our candidates applying that skill, they don't essentially check that box. So they can go down a, a menu, if you will, and approve individual or collective skills. So what, because that's been kind of a, kind of a mantra of ours. You tell us how you want this program to work, and we will model our, our processes as well as the candidates that we send you to meet those specific needs for your specific healthcare system. And I think that's helped us be successful. Well, Mark, I really appreciate you sharing that perspective and uh, and confirming what we already know, that Bon Secours uh, has been and continues to be a leader uh, in this space, um, both in the provision of health care and, and a service leader uh, in terms of its community-minded mission. Very quickly, Mark, I wonder, we talked earlier about the fact that this is an innovative and first-of-its-kind program here in the Commonwealth. Uh, if you could just quickly share 
have other states at this point looked at this model um, and looked to implement or replicate what is happening here in Virginia? Because it sounds like a real success story. Yeah, yes, Julian. Other states have uh, been looking uh, to our program and looking to implement. Uh, I would say at this point about a half a dozen states uh, around the country are uh, the one state that has made, I guess, the greatest progress is Louisiana. Uh, they have passed legislation. They modeled their legislation after ours to uh, to implement a program in Louisiana through their, you know, our, a very similar agency. Uh, they are in the process of ramping that up. Maine has done, uh, they're very close and, and have done some some very similar programming, not identical to ours, but we have certainly been in, in uh, collaboration with them. Wisconsin is another state, Texas. So, so yes, to answer your question is other states are looking at this. And, you know, and, and the, the reaction that we get is, wow, this is, a, this is kind of a no-brainer. Why haven't we done this before? So we're glad to lead that, lead the, the effort. And we, we offer every, you know, every possible assistance we can, uh, from our marketing materials to our, uh, legislative strategies, our, our scope of practice and, and things like that. So yeah, as, as the word is spreading about this, it's, it's certainly, uh, generating more interest. Well, it's good to hear that Virginia has been a trendsetter in this regard, certainly as it relates to helping out men and women who have served the country. Um, wanted to give people a little bit more information um, about the program and where they can find more information. Um, if you are a veteran yourself and, and have healthcare training or relevant experience and, and interested in transitioning into a healthcare role in the civilian sector, uh, you should go online to the Virginia Department of Veterans Services. That website is www.dvs.virginia.gov. Again, that's www.dvs.virginia.gov. And at the top of the page, you're going to want to click on the Education and Employment tab. I appreciate both of you being with us today on the program. And before we let you go, we're going to close with a lighthearted question that we ask our, our guests. It's one that we borrow from a popular BBC program, and it's this. If you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book and one album would you take with you? And we will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than the religious text of your choice, Bible or otherwise, what one book and one album would you take with you to keep yourself company if you were all alone on an island. Julie, I'll start with you. Oh, you put me right on the spot. But I think I would definitely enjoy to read the book to air as human. Uh, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned and um, from a human factory perspective. And then the album I would like to probably keep would be my journey album. Okay. Which 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 journey album? They there's a lot in that oh, canon. All of them. Actually, if I could all have all of them, that would be great. <laughs> okay. And Mark, Mark, what about you? Well, well, Julian, I would probably want to pass the time. So I've never read War and Peace, so I I think that would help occupy my time on the deserted island. And going with the island theme, my favorite album of all time is Bob Marley Legend. Don't worry.
in that tropical mood, and uh, plus it's it's uh, an outstanding, an out, absolutely outstanding album. Sounds like perfect island listening music. Well, listen, thanks, <laughs> ag- thanks again to both of you for being on the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast to talk about Virginia's innovative military medics and corpsmen program. Again, if you would like more information about that program, we encourage you to go online. There are a wealth of resources, and that site, again, is www.dvs.virginia.gov. Thanks. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. You can listen to this episode and previous episodes of the podcast through SoundCloud, Blueberry, or online at www.vhha.com. You can also send us questions, comments, feedback, or suggestions about future podcast episode guests using the email account pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that address is pcfpodcast at vhha.com. We also encourage you to connect with us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can contact us through Twitter using the hashtag PatientsComeFirst, and our Twitter account is at VirginiaHHA. Thank you. Thank you.